This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Why don't you turn with me to, to Psalm 51. Now, we're starting something new here tonight. The very first night I'm talking about the blood of Jesus. And as a believer, I, I must come to the place where I, I understand and have knowledge about the blood of Jesus. Now, we don't sing songs about the blood just to, to be cool or religious. There's extreme significance when we start talking about the blood of Jesus. So my heart in this is here, right here, guys, is to, to lay a foundation each week and each week and each week. And so we're going to look at a bunch of Scripture tonight or attempt to. because I want to lay a foundation. I want you to leave here not only tonight but in the next coming weeks to fully understand, I've got to learn how to use the blood or apply the blood in my life to do me any good. See, it's one thing to know about the blood. It's another thing to be able to use it and apply it. It's just like this. You could have a a car in your garage, but if you don't know how to drive it, it's not going to do you a bit of good. Well, that's the same with the, the blood of Jesus. And so that's the goal here, is to get us all in that position. All right, Psalm 51. And we'll begin in uh, verse number 1. And this is King David, and this is a time in his life where it was very difficult. And so I'm going to begin in verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, and wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Now, if you'll note there, that when he talked about iniquity, transgression, and sin, he said mine. All three of those are a form of sin, okay? Transgressions is when we trespass against the kingdom of God. Iniquities are usually birthed from something that has gone on from generation to generation. An iniquity is handed down, okay? And then sin, we all know what sin is. Now, when you see David talking about this, in sin in every one of our lives it can become like an avalanche. And you think about an avalanche just for a minute that, man, an avalanche will just wipe everything out. And that can ultimately what happens when we allow sin. I guess we could call it a sinalanche. There's your new word right there, sinalanche. And it just means that sin just bombards us and overtakes us. But we don't have to hang on to that. And we don't have to live under that cloud of sin. And we don't have to allow our past sin to keep us in condemnation. And we don't have to allow our past sin to keep us in a state of shame and and, and grief, guilt. So we keep going. Verse 3. For I acknowledge my transgressions. He didn't try to deny them or hide them. And my sin is always before me. And you sense a, a deep regret in David. Against you... You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. And it's interesting here that David describes sin here, or he views sin as evil or wickedness. Now I believe it's important that that gets in every one of our hearts that I begin to view the way God views sin. Do you know God hates sin? He doesn't hate the sinner. He hates sin because he understands what sin will do to us But I believe if we would get that mindset just to hate sin, love God, hate sin, despise it. 
Keep reading here. Against you, you only have a sin and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity or the state of iniquity. And in sin or in the state of sin, my mother conceived me. And that's where I wanted to get to right there. Why did David say that I was conceived in sin? I can go back and look. His mother was not living in sin blatantly when when she conceived uh, David here. So why did he say this? The reason he said this is the same for every one of us that when you are born into this world, you are born with a sin nature. Every one of us. Doesn't matter who you are. I don't care how special you are. And so when you begin to look at what he's talking about, this was literally hereditary. Sin was in his bloodline and sin is in my bloodline. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to get on this in the next few weeks. But in in Genesis 4, Adam had two sons named Cain and Abel. Cain murdered Abel, his own brother. Now there's nowhere in the Bible that I I find that Adam took Cain out and said, Listen, buddy. I'm going to teach you how to kill your brother today. No, he didn't have to teach him that. You know why? Sin was in his bloodline already. And so he just acted on that nature within him. Let me ask you this. How many of you in this room have you ever been taught, had to be taught to be sin? How many of you, when you were about six or seven years old, did your daddy load you up and say, all right, we're all going to go down to the class today and learn how to cuss? We're all going to learn how to take the Lord's name in vain. Not one of us. We don't have to be taught that. It just gets in our nature. It's in our bloodline, and it is hereditary. Now, turn with me to the book of Ezekiel. You're going to go to your right there, Ezekiel, and right after Jeremiah and Lamentations, and then you're going to jump right into Ezekiel. If you've gone to Daniel, you've gone too far. So the problem we have, every one of us, is our blood is polluted with sin. Every one of us. Sinalanch, got us all. Ezekiel 16. I'm going to read it in verse number 1 through verse 6. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, cause or confront Jerusalem to know her abominations. Now, this is a picture of God in Israel, but it, it applies. It's a picture for me and you too. How it is with Jesus and the church also. Verse number 2, Son of man, cause or confront Jerusalem to know her abominations, her detestable sins. And say, thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, your birth and your nativity or your origin are from the land of Canaan. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. Now, here's what this is doing here. It is literally tracking this person's bloodline. And he's saying, you came from the land of Canaan. Your father was an Amorite. The Amorites were a very, very corrupt nation. The Hittites, they were one of the wickedest of of all. So he's saying right here, you are a victim of the nature in you. 
that because of the bloodline that was passed down to you, this is why you're in the predicament you're in. Verse 4. As for your nativity or your origin, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed in water to cleanse you. You were not rubbed with salt nor wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, the, the thing about rubbed with salt it was to prevent them from any type of bacteria to get them on them. So that's where that goes. Verse 5. No eye pitied you or had the slightest interest in you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you, but you were thrown out into the open field when you yourself were loathed, unwanted, or abhorred on the day you were born. And when I passed by you and saw you struggling in your own blood, I said to you in your own blood, live. Yes, I said to you in your blood, live. And so God right here, it's if he, he walks by us and he sees us struggling, polluted in our blood or polluted in the sin of our blood. And once again, every one of us have sin in our blood. That's what happens when we come upon this earth. Now, let's think about blood here just for a little bit in, in the physical. If you were to go to a doctor and you had problems within your body, a lot of times they say immediately, I need to get a sample of your blood. Why? Because your blood can tell a doctor a lot about what's going on in the inside of you. Every one of us. I need blood. I need blood. I want your blood. Why? So he can identify what's happening within us. Now, here's another point with the physical body. Every one of us have between four and five quarts of blood in our body right now. And those four and five quarts, they literally do a complete cycle in our whole body every 23 seconds. Now, have you ever heard this about blood? He's lost a lot of blood. Or he's going to bleed to death. In the natural, without the blood, there is no life. But what about in the spiritual realm? I believe it's the same thing. That unless I begin to understand the blood of Jesus, I can live life physically, but be dead on the inside spiritually. And so right here, God says, live. Live, live, live. And that's exactly what he wants every one of us to do. And so part of the things we're going to do tonight is we're going to begin to look on how we can learn to live. I've got to give you one more major scripture, and I'm just going to read one verse of it. Uh, in Leviticus chapter 17, right there in the front, Genesis, then Exodus, and then Leviticus. Leviticus 17. Woo, thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blood. For the blood of Jesus. I'm really excited about this. I, I am. This is something that I believe will, <laughs> will set will set you free when you start learning to live under the blood. Leviticus 17, verse number 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. I don't know that I can say it any better than that. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. So right here, he's telling me the value of the blood. Keep reading. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. Now, we've really, really got to understand 
what the word atonement means. It means uh, to, to purify, to make right, to cover sin. So he says right there, I have given it to you upon the altar to cover your sin. It was an appeasement. For what did he say? For your souls. And he ends with this, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. So he's telling me here, the only way me and you sin can be covered is through the blood. Now, if we were to study the Old Testament, what they would do, they would sacrifice the blood of calves and goats and lambs time after time after time after time after time. Why? The only thing that would make atonement for their souls was blood. And so they would go in over and over. In, in uh, Solomon's life, it said in one day he sacrificed a thousand bulls. That's a lot of bull and that's a lot of blood. But you think about that, they kept having to do it. And yearly, year after year after year, again and again and again and again and again and again. But it's a little different. I shouldn't say a little different. It's a lot of different for us in the New Testament. Something has happened for me and you in the New Testament through Jesus. That's incredible. Now, to further understand this, go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. And so we see through scriptures about, and we're going to get into it more and more, about how we, we have sin in our line, in our bloodline. So really, I think we can say this safely, that as human beings, we are in need of a blood transfusion. A spiritual blood transfusion. And if we could have done it on our own, we would have already done that. And if the bulls and the heifers and the goats and all that stuff could have done it, then God wouldn't have done what he, or did what he did, uh, had done through Jesus. So here we're going to get in this to Hebrews 9. And I, I, I believe the Lord's going to help me make this as simple and as clear as we can. Because this stuff can be interesting to understand. So we start here in Hebrews 9, begin with me in verse 20, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. He has commanded you. So it is not that He asked us, He commanded us. Then likewise, He sprinkled the blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. Now understand this, in the ancient tabernacle, everything needed to be sacrificed or, or sanctified by blood. Everything had to be. So man, when they would go into the, the temple, they had to, to, to purify it by the blood of the Lamb. That's what this is talking about. So we keep reading. Then likewise, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And according to the law, what would according to the law be? According to Moses or the Old Testament, almost all things are purified or cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So let's understand something. What does the word remission mean? Because he said, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So the word mission, remission means to send away, to release from bondage or imprisonment, dismissal, 
the quality of canceling out all judgment, punishment, and obligations of debt. So without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Now, this ought to be good news to us. Now, this this is a point I really want to get across to all of us tonight. That verse right there should let me and you know that it takes all the pressure off of me and you. See, so many times we've got this idea as Christians, boy, i got to live perfect, and i got to live this way. And God wants us to live that way, but he knows me and you can't fulfill that on our own. So if the only way there is remission or forgiveness or all my debts to be canceled is through blood, then you know what we might as well do? We might as well kick back and enjoy the blood and say, okay, Lord, have at it. Wash me, cleanse me, purge me, prune me, anything you want to do. And allow the blood of Jesus just to start cleansing you. And oh, when that begins to happen, I'm going to tell you, there starts being changes in your life. It's almost where you can't explain it. When people look at you and say, what happened to you? You look and say, Jesus. Just the blood of Jesus. Something happened to me. Jesus started cleansing me and taking care of me. Okay, we keep going on here. Verse 23. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves were better sacrificed than these. So he's telling us right there, this had to happen for the things in the heavenlies to take place. Now, I'm going to go backwards just a little bit. Same chapter, I want you to pick up with me in verse 11. Now, we talked about right there, you saw that without the the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Listen to verse 11. But Christ came as a high priest of good things or better things to come. With the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with human hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once and for all. So we go back and we look at this. Christ became the sacrificial lamb for me and you. And his blood wasn't made or created by man-made stuff at all. But I love the thought it said that he did this once and for all. Now remember in the Old Testament, they had to do it again and again and again and again. Jesus did one time, and Jesus became the sacrifice for our sin. And God said, I receive that. I welcome that. And so you know what God was saying? Okay, Jesus, you take all their sin for them. Man, he had a good chance to say amen. I I love that thought right there, that he took all my sin once and for all. So let me tell you how we can say this, that you'll get it. Every one of us in this room, when we received Jesus as Lord of our life, we were bought with a price and paid in full with one sacrifice. And with Jesus' blood came only a warranty that he could make. Now, you know what it's for? Forever. Forever. It's better than 90 days, same as cash. It's better than two years of interest-free. It's forever. It's that good. It's that powerful. 
And so when the devil, he accuses the brethren, and that's Revelations 12.10, day and night he walks back and forth before the throne room of God, and he says, uh, uh, Yolanda Moreno's doing this, and she's doing that today. And he's accusing us. And in the court of law, Father God looks over, and there is our advocate, our attorney, our lawyer, named Jesus. And Jesus doesn't say one word. You know what he does? He turns his back. And there's the stripes. And he does that. And he looks at Father God and says, Paid in full. Paid in full. Now that's the significance of the blood of Jesus. So we keep reading right here. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. Jesus entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Eternal. Forever. Forever redemption. It's a done deal. Forever. Verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies, sets apart for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot or blemish to God to cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now I want you to get a hold of something right there. He said the blood of Jesus would qualify us and that it would cleanse our conscience from dead works. So what happens normally as Christians, we try to work to get God's approval. Oh, golly, I didn't cuss all day today. Woohoo! the Lord's going to give me a star. I didn't do this bad, or I didn't do that wrong today. But in reality, guys, that's not what saves us. That's not what redeems us. The only thing that saves us and redeems us is the blood of Jesus. So that's why I said earlier, we might as well just get on our Holy Spirit. Lazy boy, say, all right, Lord, I just, I stay, and I'm not saying to be lazy, okay? It's just a phrase. Father God, I come under your blood today. I ask you to wash me today. I, I ask you to cleanse us. And see, when you look at what took place here, and he said to cleanse your conscience from dead works, you know what he's saying? It's not about me being good, and it's not about my self-effort, and it's not about my self-achievements. It's how well do I understand what Jesus died for me to partake of. I just come under the blood. I come under the blood. I come under the blood. Let's go to one more since we're real close. Turn over just a couple pages there to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1. You're going to go through Hebrews, James, and then you're going to come to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1. While you're turning, let me just throw this in. Religion says, what have you done? Or religion says, what do you do? In other words, what have you earned? Religion says, what do you do? A relationship with Jesus says, it's done. So once again, it's not about what I do, it's about what he's done. And when I get a hold of what he's done, man, it makes life so much easier. That's why I said it takes the pressure off of us, where I just... 
I stay right with God. When I, when I sin, I repent. I ask Jesus to come wash me. And then I come back under the blood. I come back under the blood. Now I'm in 1 Peter 1, verse 18 and 19. Knowing that you were not redeemed. The word redeemed means purchased or bought. You were not redeemed, purchased or bought with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers. Now think about what he just said. You weren't redeemed with corruptible things, man-made things. Your aimless conduct, our sin nature, by traditions from your fathers. Now right there, just in that, you know what it tells me? Something's handed down from our fathers. And it's been handed down from, Ab- or from Adam. Since Adam messed up, when Adam and Eve messed up in the garden, that's where mankind got their sin nature. So he said, you weren't redeemed from the things that have been passed down to you, to your fathers. Now don't, don't try to cop out and say, well, it's my father. It's a stupid dad of mine. No, it happens to each one of us. That's what takes place. But look what it goes on to say here. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb, without blemish or without spot. So he's telling me here, my life was bought by the blood of Jesus. And it doesn't matter the sin nature that was passed down to every one of us. The blood of Jesus is greater than that. Now he used the word here that I want to end with tonight. He said, the precious blood. Every one of us in this room have something that's very precious to us. So when you have something precious to you, what do you do with it? Man, you protect it. You take care of it. You honor it. But do I treat the blood of Jesus that way? And so when it says the precious blood of Jesus, you say, how can I honor the blood of Jesus? Well, part of it is when we sing about the blood of Jesus. I mean, we ought to reverence that. We ought to honor that. And it should get us to raise our hands in worship and, and begin to say, man, Father God, I thank you for the blood of Jesus. There's power, power in the blood of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. And that's how we begin to view it as precious. And you know what? I protect that. I protect that blood, that it becomes very precious to me. So how do we apply and use the blood of Jesus? Well, we begin to sing about it. And we begin to speak about it. And we begin to declare the blood of Jesus. How does that look, Pastor? Well, it's like this, man. You get up in the day and you say right now, Lord Jesus, I thank you that I come under the blood of the Lamb today. And I thank you that your blood is cleansing me, spirit, soul, and body. And your blood right now, Lord Jesus, I welcome it in my eyes. And I welcome your blood in my mind. And I welcome the blood in my thinking process. And I'll tell you, the best thing you can do when you get your little kids out for school this year is say, you come under the blood of Jesus today. Because that blood will cleanse them. And that blood will heal them. And that blood, remember, not only has it redeemed them, it's the remission. It'll set them free. I said, start speaking the blood. Speak the blood. Speak the blood. Speak. Now, I don't want you to think I'm crazy, but I'll tell you, I used to go in my son's room, 
and I would literally lay my hands on his pillow. I'd speak the blood of Jesus all over his pillow. I'd say, woo, in the name of Jesus, the blood of the lamb, the blood of the lamb, the blood of the lamb, the blood of the lamb. So the way we begin to use it is we begin to take faith and we believe in it. Now, I'm going to end with this, and I'm going to get way ahead of myself if I don't quit. If you looked on, uh, on the story of the Passover lamb, that's next week, we're going to hit it. Remember when the spirit of death was going to come in into the Egyptians? And the Lord said, the only thing that will take care of you is if there's bloods on the doorposts and the lentils. You know what he was telling them? Come under the blood of Jesus. And everybody's in your house that's under the blood, they qualify. It didn't say you qualify because you didn't cuss that day. It didn't say you qualified because you'd done a hundred hell marriages. It said the only thing that matters is there blood on your door. See, the only thing that matters with us, it doesn't matter how smart you are, how spiritual. I come under the blood. I come in. Woo! I, I put the blood on the doorposts of my life. And I put the bloods over the lintels of my life. And I come underneath the blood of Jesus. And he begins to work. He begins to work. Thank you for that excitement. Come on, let's stand up. Let's stand up. I'm, I'm telling you guys, you don't want to miss this stuff. This, this, will, this will change you. This will, this will change you. You know, when I was 20 years old, Many of you have heard of, of Dr. Lester Summerall. If you ever get a hold of any of Dr. Summerall's books, read them. Well, he was older than dirt back then. I'm 20 years old, and, and I heard him in person. And he said this. He said, the way you can always tell is there demonic activity within people is start singing about the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. And he said, you know what happens? Those devils can't handle it. When you mention the blood of Jesus, they freak out. You know what? They understand. There's someone in this room that understands the blood. There's someone in this room that understands how to apply it. And I'll tell you, they flee. They flee. Now you're here. Let's pray. Father God, we love you today. We honor you today. And Lord Jesus, we honor your blood. And right now, we thank you that your blood has redeemed every one of us. We thank you that because of your blood that it cleanses our blood only through you. And we come under your blood right now. And Lord Jesus, we welcome a cleansing in every aspect of our life, spirit, soul, and body. We welcome your blood right now. And we thank you today that you help us, Holy Spirit, view the blood as precious. And Lord, we give you honor and glory tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.